Welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. My name is Paul Matthews, and it is an absolute treat today to bring you this conversation I had with Anna Grummet. Anna works with the Centre for Public Christianity, and she is here to talk about some really important issues. How do we use technology wisely? What does it mean to be human? How has God created us to live? These ideas, I guess, have always been important. However, it seems like they are more important than ever today. So I really am confident that you'll be getting great benefit out of this conversation and the wisdom that Anna has brought. This, of course, is in partnership with the Christian Teachers Journal. So Anna published an article in the most recent edition of the Christian Teachers Journal. So be sure to check out her work there as well. Although, of course, if you don't have access to the journal, we've made sure this conversation will stand on its own as a great value add to you. This podcast is brought to you by My Teacher Aid. My Teacher Aid is an AI tool for teachers, and full disclosure, I am one of the co-founders. I believe this is a great time to talk about technology and how we use it for God's glory, because I believe AI is going to allow every teacher to do more effective work in less time. I have a vision where teachers are freed up from the basic administration and the busy work, and they can get back to the things that they got in the profession to do, which is to inspire and disciple the next generation. If you're an Australian teacher and you want to be part of our Australian pilot, you can apply at myteacheraid.com. I've included that link in the show notes below. Without further ado, let's get into this conversation. Well, Anna Grummet, welcome to the Christian Education Podcast. Thanks so much, Paul. It's great to be here. Now, you work for the Centre for Public Christianity. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your role there? Yeah. Uh, So I thought I might share a little bit about the Centre for Public Christianity first. Um, I think probably a lot of your listeners do know who we are, but there might be a couple out there who aren't that familiar with our work. Uh, So basically, uh, the Centre for Public Christianity, or CPX for short, uh, we're a not-for-profit Australian media company. We were founded in 2007, so have been going for about, yeah, 15, 16 years now. Uh, and we seek to promote the public understanding of the Christian faith. So we're really trying to share the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of the Christian story in the public square. And I guess trying to invite people to consider whether Christianity might still have something valuable to say about the biggest questions of life. So our team does things like writing and speaking in the mainstream media. Uh, We have a weekly podcast ourselves called Life and Faith. We have a huge online library of videos and articles. Uh, We have an annual public lecture that we do uh, every year around sort of the end of the year. Uh, We also speak at conferences and at churches and schools. So, yeah, a lot of your listeners may have heard one of our speakers at a conference Uh, And we also produce documentaries and educational resources. Uh, And that's kind of where my role comes in. So my uh, job is as youth and schools coordinator. So I kind of edit and create CPX material to be used in classrooms, uh, mostly kind of senior high classrooms, and then communicate with teachers about this. Uh, And I also sometimes speak at conferences and schools uh, and also do a bit of comms work for CPX as well. So if, you, if any of your listeners get a newsletter from us, I've probably written that uh, and do some of our social media and that kind of thing as well. Fantastic. Well, that sounds like a really involved job you've got there. Uh, and look, just for what it's worth, big institutions like the Christian Education Podcast are more than happy to platform smaller up-and-coming institutions like the Centre for Public Christianity. We're absolutely, it's just part of our, part of our mission. 
Now, you spoke about the annual public lecture there that the Centre for Christianity puts on. You've written a a journal article here for the Christian Teachers Journal called Superpowers and Tradeoffs, Andy Crouch on Human Flourishing in a Tech World. Am I right in thinking that the basis for that article actually came from one of those public lectures that you ran? Yeah, it did. So uh, this was the lecture that we ran uh, towards the end of it. It was in September last year. Uh, And so we got... Yeah, US author Andy Crouch uh, to come out and give this lecture. And this was long anticipated for our team because we'd originally contacted him, I don't know, probably 2019. And then with the pandemic and everything that had gone on, it ended up being, you know, 2022 by the time he eventually came out to do the lecture. So we were all really looking forward to hearing for him. Uh, And he, yes, spoke. His lecture was on Well, the title for his lecture was Disconnected, Why Technology Keeps Disappointing Us. Uh, And so he's done a lot of thinking about technology and its impact on our lives. Uh, And yeah, I really resonated with his lecture. I do struggle with creating healthy boundaries around my own tech use. So I thought the lecture was really helpful as Andy, he didn't just kind of talk about the problem but he also offered a really helpful way forward. Uh, And so I thought, and as I was listening to the lecture and thinking about it afterwards, I thought this is something that I think would be beneficial for teachers of young people to hear as well. So, yeah, that's where the article came from. And I think when we talk about wise and healthy tech usage, it is one of those cases where you've got one finger pointing forward and three or four pointing back at you, right? Because every, every teacher out there knows what it's like to be a little bit overwhelmed, pretty tired, and just be stuck on that infinite scroll on Instagram or Twitter or something like that. So not only do we want to steward our young people's lives as well as we can, but we also need to take care of ourselves, right? If, yeah, if we're str- strung out and cooked, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can actually do for them. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Now, we really need to think about our own habits first. Big time. Big time. Now, let's think here. In your article, you discuss this sort of moral turbulence that Tony Fidel experienced after he created the iPhone. So he said he often wakes up in cold sweats and he's thinking, what did I do? Like, What did I bring into this world? So he's actually pretty convinced that not only is the iPhone a powerful communication device, it's a powerful shaping device. And it's shaping the people who use it, perhaps not in good ways. What would you say to those people, Anna, who aren't so sure that technology actually is a double-edged sword. They only see the good parts, right? They might argue that, yep, okay, kids are on their phones a lot, but, you know, antisocial behaviour, that's existed forever. So, you know, if the kids didn't have an iPhone, they might just be wasting their time in a different way. Yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think I I get where these people are coming from and I, I do think there's an element of truth to that. Like I didn't have a smartphone as a teenager and I absolutely still found ways to waste my time. Uh, So that's very true. And also, you know, as these people would point out, there are good things about technology. There are good things about our devices. You know, I mean, even this podcast interview wouldn't be happening without technology because I'm in Sydney and you're in Tasmania. Uh, So, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for. The devices that teenagers have, you know, they help them keep in touch with friends, even at a distance. I think that would have been something extremely important, particularly during the pandemic. I can't imagine, you know, having gone through that without technology. And, you know, other things, organizing your life, taking photos. There's a lot of practical things that uh, these devices have helped us with. I would say to people who aren't sure 
about, I guess, the dangers that um, Fidel and others are talking about. I think there's a few things that I would say that, yeah, there are dangers in these devices more than just that they're causing teenagers to waste their time, though. So I think the fact that these devices are designed to be addictive uh, and that they make it, yeah, really hard to switch off. There's research that shows that that's having um, a significant impact in sleep for young people, which we know is really important for physical and mental health. Uh, I think there does seem to be at least some of a link uh, between kind of higher social media use, use and more sort of mental health struggles, particularly in adolescent girls. So I think that's something to be aware of. Uh, there's also kind of proven there's I guess the aspects with the algorithms and social media can sort of sometimes lead to radicalization in people because they're only being fed particular ideas on their feeds. There's also just a lot of harmful content out there on the internet. Um, like obviously, you know, pornography is rampant. Uh, and you know, it's interesting because research has actually shown that teenagers today, by and large, are less sexually active than previous generations. But porn use is through the roof. And I think there are, are really important conversations to be had about the impact that that is having on our young people. Uh, and also, you know, I guess one of the big points of my article, um, which, you know, we'll probably discuss later in the podcast, but a big point that Andy Crouch makes is that fundamentally, these devices the way that they're designed to be used actually disengages us from who we are meant to be as human beings. So there's ways to use them well. That's absolutely true. But I think even the the design of them is not helping us to live fully in the world as human beings. And that's why I think, you know, Fidel, one of the creators, is feeling uncomfortable about this because he's aware of that design. And um, there's a few other kind of inventors of some of these technologies that have been speaking out and thinking, you know, we're not sure that this is actually going in the right direction. So I think that's quite telling. It's definitely in the zeitgeist now. There are a lot of people waking up. You reference in your article The Social Dilemma, that incredibly uh, yeah, popular that. sort of docudrama that came out on Netflix. That was wild. I remember watching that and just going, man, I need to change some things. And then I changed some things for about two months and then just like like a dog to its vomit, returned back to all my old ways. Uh, but it is wild. Yeah. It is absolutely wild the way that these this technology is shaping people. I remember talking with Dave Yule on the podcast and we said that as with other technology, in some ways it's neutral, it's morally neutral. It, an iPhone sitting on the desk like mine and yours is at the moment, is not necessarily morally good or bad, but it's not formationally neutral. It actually will form us in certain ways. It was designed to form us in certain ways. So we need to understand that if we're trying to use these wisely, in some ways we're walking against a stiff headwind here. I mean, yeah. I, I think of my poor, a couple of years ago, I had a year 10 homeroom and I had some pretty poor attendance. It was first thing in the morning and I ended up taking a poll, just got a, a, a Google um, form. I said, talk to me about your phone usage. More than a few people had developed this biphasic sleep where they just go home, sleep straight after school, wake up at about 10 p.m., do TikTok for four or five hours and then go back to sleep and then wake up, more TikTok school and then go home and sleep. It's crazy how much it had affected those people's lives. Yeah, it is 
it is wild. Like as someone who loves sleep, I just, <laughs> I just think, yeah, it's it's um, amazing the kind of the holes that these devices have on us that they are changing like our sleep patterns so so much. Um, and yeah, I was reading some research, I guess, about you know the average screen time statistic by generation and you know apparently and and this was a couple of years ago so maybe it's higher now but I think yeah in 2021 it was like the average for Gen Z was 7.3 hours per day on their phones and if you think okay they're spending you know six hours a day or something in school where you know they're not on their phones where are they fitting in this other 7.3 hours in the day if they also have to fit in you know eating and sleep and just kind of any other activities so that was quite eye-opening as well. It is crazy. And it's something that we need to think about as teachers because as teachers, just by virtue of us having been old enough to get a degree and become teachers, we're at a certain age. We're, we're not in the same demographic as our students. And, you know, if you've got a couple of kids or you're just a professional who's got a fairly big workload, there's only so bad. There's, it, it can only get so bad for you before things get so out of control that you just have to stop. Right, yeah. you, you just you have to do your work. You have to teach your classes. You have to look after your kids, and so that actually is going to narrow the window of time you can spend. But if you're a student, you've actually got expendable time coming at your ears, and so what does that do? Well, it just opens up way more opportunities if you're getting if you're sort of circling the bowl with your tech use to really go faster and faster headlong into maybe some sort of technology addiction or uh, overuse. So mm. it's not hitting all the uh, demographics equally. Actually, in your yeah. in your article, you quoted a really shocking headline from another article. The headline was, have smartphones destroyed a generation? So yeah. c- can you quickly just outline, we've touched on it briefly, can you outline the connection perhaps between tech and mental health, especially for our young people? Yeah. Yeah. So that article, um, that was a 2017 article in The Atlantic by Jean Twenge. Um, and it is a really shocking title. I think, you know, it's deliberately provocative. And there has been a little bit of pushback against that to be like, okay, this maybe overstates the issue or, you know, we're not completely sure exactly about the causal link of what's going on here. But uh, Twenge talks about these really abrupt shifts in teen behaviours and emotional states kind of starting around 2012. And she says, you know, this is when the proportion of Americans, so it is kind of from a US focus, but I think a lot of it can apply here as well. You know, she says this really abrupt shift in the behaviour happened when the proportion of Americans who owned a smartphone uh, went over 50%. So she cites a number of studies that do seem to suggest a really strong connection between higher phone use and then higher rates of loneliness unhappiness, depression, and even suicide among teenagers. Um, So she quotes this annual survey that asked teens, you know, how happy they are, and then also how much of their leisure time they spend on various activities, you know, including in-person activities, um, but then also screen activities like social media um, and, yeah, just using the internet. Uh, and, you know, she says the results are really clear. Teens who spend more time on a- than average on screen activities are more likely to be unhappy. And those who spend more time on average on non-screen activities are more likely to be happy. Now, there is like 
I, and I think this is what a lot of people have said about her article. It's a, there's a possible kind of chicken and egg situation going on here. So, you know, maybe the screens are making people more unhappy or maybe, you know, unhappy teenagers are more likely to spend time on their devices because they're unhappy or it might be sort of a bit of a cycle going on here. Um, but I think it is interesting that there's at least a strong correlation between higher screen use and higher levels of depression and anxiety and um, those kind of things. And it seems that the biggest impact, because they did, some of the studies have kind of broken this down by sort of more specific demographics. And it seems that the biggest impact is on 12 to 14 year old girls. Um, and I don't, yeah, that might be, people have kind of, I guess, suggested that that could be due to do with things like cyberbullying, sort of body image struggles, comparing themselves to others on social media, um, maybe the fact sometimes that social media exacerbates sort of feeling left out if you see, you know, all your friends are doing something and you're not there or things like that. So, yeah, um, it is, I think, you know, there are questions still to be asked about some of this data, but I think, you know, from what we have, we can say that there is a high, higher rates of um, depression and anxiety among people with higher screen use in the younger generation. And that's really interesting data to have, isn't it? And as we're thinking about shepherding and stewarding these young people that are in our care as teachers, well, that may give us some helpful clues. You're right, it's not everything. There is some causality which perhaps may need to be teased out there. But in any cycle, if you can interrupt it at one point, perhaps you can actually fix the problem that's going on there. So I remember I've had a conversation with more than a few parents actually where they go, ah, my son or daughter, they seem to be in a little bit of a tailspin. And we've discussed how about we just lose the device for a week or two we want to be nuanced in the way we do this. We don't want to say all technology is bad, but it might be a really good thing just to get rid of it for a moment. You know, if there's mm -hmm. some sort of addictive pattern going on there, let's just cut the cord and see how we go. And interestingly enough, that's been a really helpful reset. So you go, well, yeah, are they on their phone because they're isolated and have no friends and therefore that's how they deploy their time? Or are they isolated and have no friends because they're on the phone all the time? Not sure, not sure exactly where the causality is running there. Let's just lose the phone for a week or two and see what happens. So you can sort of uh, prototype, prototype an experiment. Uh, and so that's, that's tended to work really, really well in my life. Just quickly. Really interesting. Just quickly, have you ever found yourself in a position, Anna, where you've had to say, look, I mean, you're an adult, you're a Christian, you've got the spirit of God in you, but still you go, hey, I don't think I've got this phone. I think it's got me. I need to take some time away. Have you ever found yourself in that position? Yeah, I have. So actually this year for Lent, um, I decided to give up Instagram because I did feel that, uh, especially in the evenings, so we've got a little toddler um, and so, you know, the days are very, you know, we start the day very early in the morning. The days are sort of very full either with work or with looking after him. And so by the time he's in bed, you're just kind of feeling very exhausted. And so the easiest thing to do is just to go sit on the couch and instead of, you know, having a conversation with your partner, it's just scroll, just scrolling on the phone. And I noticed that that was something that I was doing a lot uh, and that I was, yeah, spending a lot of time on Instagram, but not, not in a way that was sort of, you know, really interacting with other people or sort of 
building connections. It was really just that mindless scrolling. So I took a break uh, over Lent and that was really good. I did find it quite difficult at first. Like I found it probably harder than I thought I would, um, but it was good to just kind of have that reset and think, yeah, um, you know, try to focus more on real world relationships, more on my relationship with God. So that was that was actually good. The Christian Education Podcast is brought to you by Teaching in Tassie. At Christian Education National Schools in Tassie, you can make a difference. You have the freedom to express your faith and values, of course, with Jesus right at the centre. Tasmania's beautiful environment has space to breathe. We have amazing food and wine, wilderness to explore. There's an adventure right on your doorstep. There are endless opportunities. I've got to tell you, it's almost perfect. To sign up or learn more, visit teachingintassie.com.au and you'll be the first to know when there's a career available. Who knows? It may just have your name on it. Let's get back to the discussion. It's funny, isn't it, when you go, well, look, you know, I've got this Instagram use or Twitter or what have you. I've got it completely under control. I've got no issues at all. And then someone's like, well, just, well, just don't do it then. Like, well, I don't think I could quite not do it, but uh, it turns out often the claws are a little bit deeper than we would like to admit. I remember there's a classic John Piper tweet out there. Uh, he obviously has had his own battles with Twitter. So he, he would talk about really struggling not to wake up and before he prayed, check Twitter. And he, would, he said, um, all that our social media log will tell us at the, on the last day is that our prayerlessness was not because of the lack of time. And oh, you're like, yeah. oh, what, that has pierced me to the heart here, pierced me to the heart. Now, Anna, we've talked a lot about technology. One of the really important things to tease out as we're thinking about technology is actually anthropology, isn't it? What we, what we think about the tools we use is really directly informed by what we think about who we are as human beings. One of the most memorable things about your article was Crouch's definition of a human, and he had this fantastic definition. He said, humans are heart, soul, mind, strength complexes designed for love. So can you press into that and tell us a little bit more about that definition and explain why it's so important uh, for understanding our relationship with technology? Yeah, so that um, was something, that definition was something that really struck me from Andy's lecture and also uh, his book that I think was also released last year uh, called The Life We're Looking For. So, you know, the idea behind this definition of who we are as human beings, it comes from the Shema Israel in Deuteronomy 6, um, you know, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And then Jesus quotes this in Mark chapter 12 when a teacher of the law asks him which commandment is the most important. But he also adds mind in there. And so he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And so Andy Crouch takes this and goes, okay, if this, according to Jesus, is the most important commandment for us as human beings, then it also tells us a lot about what we as humans are designed for like about who we fundamentally are. So if we are to love with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, then if we kind of flip that around, that means that as humans, we are heart, soul, mind, strength complexes designed for love. 
So, you know, Andy teases this out, um, particularly in the book, uh, and he says, you know, these four things are really crucial to what it means to be human. So, you know, we are heart, we are kind of filled with these emotions, these desires, these longings. With soul, you know, there's something more to us than just what you can see or touch. And we have this kind of sense of transcendence and wonder and that kind of thing. You know, we are mind, we have the capacity to kind of rationally think our way through the world. And, you know, we are strength. We have these physical bodies and these physical bodies do matter. We're not just kind of, you know, these disembodied souls walking around. We have bodies and they're important. Uh, And then he also says, you know, we're designed for love. Uh, And he talks a lot about, it's actually um, a really great opening to his book. Uh, He talks about how when we're born, you know, newborns come into the world and what they're looking for is a face. They're trying to like find someone who, you know, recognizes them and is there for them and cares for them and loves them. So, you know, they're looking to be loved and looking for that human connection. And, you know, if this is who we are as humans, this is, you know, who we came into the world to be, I guess it follows that how we spend our time and how we kind of structure our lives should be spent trying to, you know, develop ourselves in these areas. Uh, So this has implications for our whole lives in a whole variety of ways uh, and not just how we use technology. But I think, and, you know, and Andy Crouch thinks that you know, it might be especially important to think about this when we think about our relationship with technology, because often technology, uh, at least the way we tend to use it and, you know, sometimes the way it's designed for, doesn't really develop us in these areas. So, you know, it can be very passive. Um, it's it's not physical. It's not, we're not using our physical bodies at all. You know, it often isolates from others rather than kind of forms these deep relationships of love. Uh, and, you know, we do gain something from technology uh, in a lot of ways. We gain, you know, efficiency, but we might lose other things at the same time. Uh, so, you know, Andy talks about this image, you know, in the ancient in ancient homes, kind of the hearth, like this, the fire is the place that everyone sort of gathers in the home. Uh, but now, you know, we have central heating, so we don't need to gather around a fire And isn't that great because we don't have to build a fire, which, you know, sounds really hard. So we, so, you know, we have this central heating, but now, you know, we're less likely to gather because there's no one warm place in the house. It's warm everywhere. So we can sort of just end up in our own rooms, kind of absorbed by glowing rectangles. And you can think about this kind of thing with, with so many different aspects of technology, you know, even, you know, now when you go grocery shopping, You don't need to interact with another person because you just go through the self-serve checkout and that's so easy. But is there something that we lose in that experience as well? So, yeah, I think that's kind of what Crouch is trying to say. You know, if we are these heart, soul, mind, strength complexes designed for love, we need to think about how we use technology and whether, you know, that's actually developing us as who we were designed to be. Um, So he talks a lot about, you know, there are some things we just need to renounce with technology in order to live more fully as human beings. There are things that, you know, we could redesign and, and he's very passionate about, you know, creators of technology actually redesigning to make things, you know, actually fit who we are better. 
Uh, and then also we need to kind of put in rhythms, which, yeah, is kind of what we were talking about before. We can sort of set rhythms about the way we use technology so that it doesn't have this complete hold over our lives. Getting the anthropology right is so important. And I'm so glad you've shared that definition from Crouch because anthropology, it precedes our use of technology. It also, in many ways, informs the way we do education as well. And we're talking about big cultural changes in understanding. In the last 10 or so years in the Christian education space, we've started to realize that it's really important to be shaping the affections of our students. There's uh, assigned reading at the National Institute for Christian Education, a book called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. And one of his big big questions is he's going, what if, what if education isn't just about what you know but about what you love? Because it can be so easy for us as educators. We've got the Australian curriculum. Now, in many, many ways, that's about what you know. Right? And then we develop our own Christian worldview that we teach that through, and that's great and necessary, very necessary, although it's also about what you know. And so in the last 10 years or so, we're starting to realise it's really important to shape the loves, shape the affections of the student. And, of course, we know that technology, as a powerful shaping tool, will shape the affections. I've seen it myself. Um, you, I can be, I remember as a young bloke, before I had a phone, I didn't get one till I was in grade 11 or 12, my parents, and God bless them for this, but they were pretty hesitant on the whole idea. And I'm very grateful that they were. But I, I noticed I loved riding bikes. I loved playing soccer, playing cricket. I love cruising around with my mates. But uh, even on that very primitive version of the phone, I found myself starting to love different things. It, it was actually actively shaping the things that I got excited about. What did I want to do? I have an afternoon to myself of course, you have loads of those when you're a kid and next to none of them when you're a parent of young kids. But I have a whole afternoon to myself. What am I going to do? What do, what would I love to do in this circumstance? You know, the whole world is my oyster here. And my use of technology, of the sort of computer in the home and my phone in my pocket, very drastically shaped my loves in those circumstances. Now, let, let's think quickly here. You, you gave us those three R's that Crouch was talking about, uh, renounce, redesign and then sort of implementing rhythms here just give us a quick pointer is there anything Anna that you think when when it comes to ourselves uh, and the audience here being mainly Christian educators and our students that we take care of and shepherd is there anything that you just go nah look that's not worth redeeming or redesigning we just should renounce that we should just be done with that particular aspect of technology or this particular app is there anything that we should just get rid of wholesale and renounce yeah I think that when yeah when um Andy Crouch is talking about you know things to renounce I think you know he's really thinking of the really sort of harmful sides of the internet um, of which there are many, you know, there's this whole dark web that, you know, I don't even want to know about what's going on there. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, as I mentioned, the kind of proliferation of pornographic content, like that, all that kind of thing. So I think there are things, you know, in that side of the internet that really are like, there's, there's really nothing, you know, to be redeemed in this. Like we actually just need to renounce that as Christians and, you know, like probably as well, you know, governments need to put in more kind of regulations around those things because they're not actually benefiting society in any way 
the only kind of things are negative. So, but I think, you know, Crouch, there's there's not that many things. He's kind of, you know, he, he does have very strong boundaries around technology himself, but, you know, he's not a Luddite. Like he does use technology. And so mostly he's kind of optimistic that, with redesigning things and putting in rhythms. There's not that much that we need to completely renounce, but there are a few things, kind of that sort of thing. And that's helpful to think about in the way that all the things that would be just black and white sins, sins simpliciter, it's sin all the way down, all the way through, they're actually all sins before technology too. So, yeah, it, it's it's totally sinful to go online and look at naked people. Was sinful to do that in a magazine. Was sim- sinful to do that in real life. Like these are the sorts of things which aren't these huge moral questions. Where is the grey? What is appropriate? You just go. Well, probably just don't do that. Don't do any of it, um, and you'll be just fine. But you're right. I um, I'm into AI. I've done a lot of thinking and researching and uh, developing. So my friend and I, um, my friend is one of my business partners, and we're developing an AI for teachers as we speak. Oh, wow. So that would be in that redesign sort of space where we're taking this thing. But of course, one of the first things when GTP4, uh, GPT4 came out, the, one of the first prompts entered into it was how can I kill as many people for under a dollar as possible? And you just go, wow, okay. So yeah, th- there are some truly nefarious ends here, which we yeah. actually do, do need to think about limiting, um, whether that's through design of the AI or the legislation or any of these sorts of things. Now let's yeah. l- let's look here quickly um, before we touch on one of our last questions. I just want to highlight the fact that the Center for Public Christianity has actually developed with Crouch a whole bunch of resources. So as we're thinking about uh, being teachers, getting practical, having good takeaways that we can uh, learn ourselves and give to our students, the Center for Public Christianity has actually created some resources here. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we wanted to kind of maximize um, the time with Andy while he was here. So we got him to do, you know, so many different things. Uh, And one of them is, yeah, this short sort of series of like really kind of bite-sized video clips. They're sort of between kind of, I don't know, two and five minutes, I think. Um, even Even shorter probably, like they're probably more on the like two to three minute side. Um, And it's just kind of Andy answering a question um, that a young person might have, uh, mostly to do with technology, but also kind of relationships, that sort of thing. So, uh, and it's it's sort of questions that I think as we, you know, discuss this kind of thing with students and try to, you know, encourage them to maybe implement some of these rhythms in their lives around tech use and that sort of thing, you know, questions might arise for them, like, you know, oh, well, how could I disconnect without being left out? You know, if other people are on their phones all the time, I don't want to be the only one who's not using it. Or, you know, things like how can I really build real friendships if I'm not online? Or, you know, how can I even break screen addiction at all? You know, I'm already so far gone and things like that. So these are all the kind of questions that um, Andy answers in these little videos. So, yeah, they're all available for free on our website. Uh, And for each video, we've also kind of written just a few sort of suggested activities and discussion questions that a teacher could use, you know, if they want in the class. It's really kind of like 
pick and choose however much you want from this material. And we've also got kind of some supporting, so some other articles, um, little short columns that members of the CPX team has written that are sort of related to these topics because we have written a few things about technology as well. So, you know, if, um, yeah, if your listeners have an opportunity to explore these kind of things in the classroom, uh, with students, then uh, it would be great to check out these resources. So they're all available on our website uh, at publicchristianity.org slash youth. Publicchristianity.org slash youth. Great. Well, we'll make sure I include that in the show notes. Um, that's that's really good. I remember a C.S. Lewis quote, and the reason I bring it up is to highlight the fact that our, our youth, in many ways, we can look at them and go, ah, oh, man, it's all going to custard, they're neck deep in their phones. But in other ways, you just have to feel sorry for them. They're facing challenges that none of us faced in our youth. In a time of real neuroplasticity, it's very formative time developmentally. And you just go, look, it's the opportunities to waste your time, to shape yourself in unhelpful ways, um, to be shaped sort of while you're quite passive and not even realizing that you're being shaped. They are just up against that in a way that no other generation ever has been. And so I, I feel sorry. I mean, we've talked about internet pornography before, and I've had many conversations with educators about this because it is such a big deal. But just the sheer proliferation of it means that actually our youth need a level of self-control that you just didn't need before. Yeah. There's actually a level of moral enthusiasm that they have to have to walk on the straight and narrow that we simply didn't need. You could you could uh, quite easily have remained out of the clutches of pornography through your high school life completely by accident, by no moral virtue of your own, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 500 years yeah. ago. You know what I mean? You, you, you could It could have been no reflection on your moral quality and you've just never viewed it. However, actually these days you would need to be absolutely on the ball to make your way through high school without getting neck deep in that kind of stuff. So we need to be giving our youth every possible opportunity. So you say those videos are available on your website and you've actually got other material there along a similar line for them as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, look, that's just about all we have time for at the moment. Let's, as we finish, as we close, let's just try and address one or two really practical things. So say uh, you've got these young people, as we've just said, they're up against it. What are some basic things we can do, Anna, to try and promote healthy tech use within the young people that we're caring for? Yeah. So I think that's a that's a really good question, Paul, and obviously, you know, a really important one. Um, I think firstly, and, you know, as we already kind of mentioned this earlier uh, in the episode, but we do really firstly need to take this stuff and kind of apply it to ourselves um, before, you know, trying to encourage our students to live this way. So I think, you know, setting kind of rhythms for the way we use technology in our own lives uh, and also uh, in the way yeah, like not just in the time that we spend on our technology, but kind of the way we use it. You know, um, Andy Crouch talks a lot about, you know, using, try to use your technology as an instrument rather than just as a device. He kind of makes this dis distinction between devices that just sort of like do things for you 
but um, don't kind of engage you in the world and then instruments that actually you are using in order to kind of develop in this heart, soul, mind, strength areas. So I think that's something that's really important that we have to do for ourselves first. It's It was really interesting that in the Q&A after uh, Andy's lecture, uh, he mentioned this study that was done among teenagers uh, and you know, the study asked, if you could change one thing in your relationship with your parents, what would it be? And the most common answer was something along the lines of, I wish my parents would spend less time on their phones and more time talking to me. And I just thought, wow. So, you know, we do sometimes think this is really a problem for this younger generation. And I mean, the statistics do show that, you know, they are the ones who are spending even more time on these devices. But also a lot of these young people see the way the parents use technology and, you know, feel that their parents are spending way too much time on their technology as well. So, you know, I think this is something for, I mean, definitely those of us who are parents to be thinking about a lot, um, but also just all of us as teachers, you know, how am I using technology? Am I a good example in this? And then, yeah, I think for the way, yeah, for our young people who, you know, we do actually um, want to encourage in this area. I think, um, you know, I think it's good as teachers to be firstly, you know, thoughtful about the way you use technology in the classroom. Um, so I think, you know, using technology in the classroom can be really valuable, but are you using it sort of just for the sake of it or are you using it in a way that, you know, develops your students in these heart, soul, mind, strength areas? Uh, and then I think it's important for us, um, you know, in ways that we can to have genuine conversations about these things with young people and also not to just sort of throw down kind of hard and fast rules like, oh, you know, I can't believe you spend seven hours on your phone. Like, why don't you just try to spend three hours instead and see how that goes, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> but actually, you know, discuss with them and approach things in a, you know, loving pastoral way because they may have genuine anxieties. And sometimes we just can't completely understand where they're coming from without listening to them. I think a lot of young people actually do want to change. I think that many of them are aware that they're spending too much time on technology. They want to change, but they just don't completely know how. Uh, so I think, you know, have these conversations with them. And 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 if you are able to share any of Andy Crouch's content, you know, I think that's really helpful. He's a parent, you know, his kids are sort of just past that teenage age group. So, you know, he kind of knows what it's like as well. Wonderful. Very, very insightful information for us there, Anna. Now, is there anywhere people can go if they want to get a little more Anna Grumman? If they want to hear more from you, if they want to see more that you've written or anything like that, where can we be pointing people? Yeah. So I guess if, yeah, if you head to that youth page on the CPX website, you know, on that page, you can find these resources from Andy Crouch, but you can also find resources on a whole bunch of other different topics. Uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, if you go to that page, you know, I've been involved in writing the kind of activities and putting together all those resources. So, you know, it'd be great to check those out. I sometimes write, um, columns for our social. So we have a sort of little social media column that goes out every week on the CPX channels called Thinking Out Loud. So if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, uh, you know, you can read those columns. Uh, so that would be great. And then, yeah, it would be really fantastic if, uh, yeah, 
all your listeners could check out the article in the Christian Teachers Journal, uh, you know, and it would be great, yeah, if you wanted to get in touch and, and let me know how you found that and any feedback. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, Anna, it has been an absolute delight spending the very early hours of the morning with you. Thank you so much for lending your time to the Christian Education Podcast. We've certainly benefited richly from you, and we pray that God blesses you throughout all your endeavours for the rest of the year. Thanks so much, Paul. It's been great to chat this morning.